Amen. Thank you, worship team. And I am so glad that our kids have been in here for some of our uh, singing time. Would you give them a appreciation? Man, I don't know about you, but we need to be reminded of God, don't we? We need to be reminded of his goodness and what he's done for us and that he's here for us and that he's for us. And so I just so appreciate the words and the scriptures that were read for us. Thank you, Emerson, for bringing God's truth to us. Um, Welcome to Centennial Church. My name is Ross. If you're our guest this morning, we're so glad that you're here. We're glad that all of you are here, not just the guests. I always say that, and I feel like, yeah, you're not, you don't appreciate it. Glad that everybody's here. Um, We'd love to pray for you. There's cards that you can do that on in front of you. There's also on our CC app, there's a place for prayer requests. And we'll have some prayer stations set up at the end of our uh, service at the response time if you'd like to to receive prayer personally this morning. So uh, thanks for being here. I do want to recognize that Tyler is back with us. Tyler Jackson was in the hospital for about a week. Uh, Yeah, his his parents are clapping. They're they're glad. was in the hospital with some uh, pretty bad infection in his, in his elbow and his arm, so good to see you again, Tyler. We also need to pray for the hunts. Uh, many of you know Stephen and Genevieve. Genevieve is about uh, 12, 13 weeks pregnant and uh, had some complications this week, had to go into the ER, and they're pretty concerned. Uh, baby is alive, but there's some concern, and she's probably going to have to be on bed rest for the rest of her 28 weeks of pregnancy, which is is, is probable, is possible. So please uh, be in prayer for Stephen and Genevieve and little Theo as well. It's, uh, it's kind of tough to be a mom of a two-year-old. It's particularly tough to be a mom of a two-year-old when you're having to be on bed rest for 28 weeks. So um, we'll need to get them some meals and help out as much as we can. So good to see you, church family. Let me um, begin just again by just open up our time with prayer, uh, lifting some of those things uh, to the Lord, okay? Will you pray with me? Father God, we just come to you because we so desperately need you, Lord. We, um, we've been bombarded this week. We've been forgetful. We've taken our eyes off of our Savior and put our hearts and eyes on other things, and we desperately need to hear from you. We desperately need our hearts to be recalibrated to your truth and your goodness and your mercy over us. Lord, we thank you for um, bringing Tyler through the ordeal that he has been through. God, we know you're faithful even in suffering, even in trials. Lord, we pray for the Hunt family. I can't imagine... Uh, just the difficulty and the worry and stress uh, that mom and dad must be feeling as they walk through these unknown weeks. We pray you would protect that little baby and that he or she would just um, come to full term and be um, perfectly healthy, Father God. Help us to be the body of Christ, to be the family to the hunts that are not in state here with them to care for them. Lord, help us to be their extended family. God, thanks for these friends. Thank you for this time this morning. We do just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in each heart here, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us, that you would transform us by your word through the Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So this morning, uh, today, I want to talk with us about uh, something that every one of us have, 
but none of us want. It's something that we've all faced. We'll face it again uh, for the rest of our lives while we're on this earth. It's something most of us would rather avoid. Uh, it can be awkward. It can be stressful. It can be painful. And sometimes it can be uh, downright heartbreaking. And what I'm talking about can be a brief episode or it can be a long-lived, ongoing thing, uh, a long-drawn-out drama. There's no place that you can run in order to avoid it, and even if you run from it, it's certain to find you again if you are near any person that you might get close to. What am I talking about this morning? Conflict. Conflict, it is inevitable in our life, no matter where we go, who we are, what we do. There's going to be conflict. I remember as a, as a newly married guy, newly uh, married and new pastor, Elizabeth and I were attending a weekend marriage conference, and uh, one of those weekend nights you were supposed to go out and have a date as part of the conference, and I remember it was on that night that we had, at this marriage conference, like one of the biggest fights we've ever had. We were supposed to go out and have this hot, romantic dinner, and it was anything but hot. It was cold as ice. And I don't know what I did that day to cause that conflict. She has forgiven, and I'm sure forgotten, but it was tough. And then the next day, after we were supposed to have, we had this big brawl on the marriage conference deal the next day as we went to this session the guy that was speaking was a pastor from Alaska and keep in mind that I'm a new pastor at this time and he is talking about conflict and one of the things that he said that I'll never forget is he said my life as a husband and as a pastor is a series of conflict resolution and I looked at Elizabeth and I thought ugh In the words of my two-year-old, yuck. No one loves conflict. No one, however, can escape it. It is inevitable in life. In fact, the Bible would show us that deep in the fabric of this world, a battle rages. A spiritual battle rages. There is, if you will, a cosmic conflict going on about us in the spiritual realm. And in fact, uh, our Bibles from Genesis 3 to Revelation chapter 20 is a story about conflict and resolution, conflict and reconciliation. And my goal uh, in this message this morning is to help us deal with conflict in a healthy way or healthier way, perhaps, and to use it as an opportunity for significant personal growth. Why am I giving this message? Why now? Well, we are in a fall sermon series called Dwell Together. And one of the things we've been saying through this sermon series is that as a church, we are intended by God not just to attend something weekly, but we are intended by God, as the New Testament describes us, to be an adoptive family to one another. Church is not something that we are just attending, but church is something that we belong to. It is a family. It is an alternative community within the community that we live. And all of us know family, for all its greatness, also has difficulty. Families fight. 
your brothers and sisters sometimes, often, bug you. They irritate you, or they hurt you, or they just plain embarrass you. And so wherever we go, and even in church, we will have conflict. So today, my uh, three headings that I want us to talk about this under uh, today, the three headings are this, how to avoid conflict, how to deal with conflict, and number three, reasons for confidence in conflict, okay? First of all, how to avoid conflict, and if you are a conflict avoider, get your pen out or your tablet or whatever and take some notes here, you'll want to write this down, okay? So some quick steps how to avoid conflict. Number one, don't get married, Number two, don't work with or for others. Don't have kids. Don't join a church. Never coach a little league soccer team or baseball team or anything with kids or with their parents. Here's one of my favorites. If you check your uh, Facebook page in your neighborhood, don't live in an HOA if you'd like to avoid conflict. You also might uh, say this one softly, avoid your in-laws. We can take that out of the recording. Um, Avoid your in-laws. And of course, never, ever discuss politics or religion, right? And you will stay away from conflict. There you go. Just apply those and you're good to go. Of course, conflict is inevitable. We can't avoid it, as I've already said. But what I'd like to help convince us of this morning is that conflict, uh, according to Scripture even, is an opportunity for us to grow, an incredible crucible for us to grow. Because we, if we go into it in a way that's healthy, we can uh, become more like Jesus, We can examine our junk. We can be teachable, and that's why I've entitled today's sermon, An Unwelcome Grace. Conflict, much like suffering, we wouldn't ask for it. We don't want it, but it's those times of suffering, and yes, it's those times of conflict as well, that if we will humble ourselves, God can use to shape us, reshape us, transform us more into the image of Jesus, which is what he's after. He has saved us from our sins, and he is saving us from the power of our sins. He is transforming us to be like Jesus. So a few scriptures that I want to uh, go through with us this morning. We're not going to have time to dwell on each one of these, but first of all, the classic kind of conflict passage, Matthew chapter 18, okay? And I think these will be on the screen, but Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, we would love, or our culture would love, uh, and some of us would prefer to just kind of live and let live. Uh, But we all have this sense of justice, and we all have this... uh, imperative in the scripture that when conflict happens, we're supposed to deal with it. And he says, first of all, there, one-on-one. We'll come back to that. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. I love this one because of the realism of it. 
Paul writes this. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. What do you love about that? What I love about that is he says, if possible. In other words, it's not always going to be possible to live at peace with all. That's a tall order. And as so far as it depends on you, he's also saying, hey, it's a two-way street, right? And it's some of it is going to depend on you, but not all of it is going to depend upon you. But the idea to live peaceably with all, and keep in mind, this is a guy that is writing this at a time when uh, people would like to take him out. He has some enemies, both within the church and outside of the church. Uh, moving on, Galatians 6.1. Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any trans- transgression, excuse me, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I'd like you, if you take notes or underline or write in your Bibles, I encourage you to underline restore and gentleness. So the idea in conflict is not just to get something off of our chest, but it's to restore a brother or sister, to help them in their growth. Maybe you uh, have restored old furniture. Maybe you've restored or seen old cars restored. But the idea is putting them back to the way they were formed to be, right? The idea is to restore and to take brokenness and bring healing in a spirit of gentleness. Not a spirit of retaliation, but a spirit of gentleness. And from Jesus' mouth, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, For they shall be called sons of God. Not peacekeepers, but blessed are the peacemakers, those who bring unity to people, those who work through things. And Jesus has a right to talk on this because his mission was to bring peace between man and God and bring bring peace between Jews and Gentiles and male and female and slave and free. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Again, Ephesians Uh, Paul writing in Ephesians 4.15, he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now, that verse starts with the word rather. And if you look in the context, if he's saying rather as a contrast, what is he contrasting? He's contrasting in the verse before, verse 14, don't be like children. Don't be tossed back and forth. Don't live as children. There's something about having a childlike faith, but you don't want to stay a child in your faith, in your maturity forever. You want to grow up. And so he says, don't remain a child, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way to him who is the head. And notice there also that we grow in part by truth. We grow by the truth, not by putting things under the rug, not by shoving it down and suppressing it, by, but we grow by the truth. But it's not a truth that's angry, it's a truth that's in love from the right motivation, right? So those are some, verse, some key verses for this topic, and uh, we'll come back to some of them as we look through some of these points. So uh, how to deal with conflict, okay, with brothers and sisters, uh, in your home, in your marriage, how to deal with conflict. First of all, if you can't get over it, deal with it. If you can't get over it, deal with it. Implied there is that sometimes you just need to get over it. 
And as Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes there's just little offenses. There's just little annoyances that he does, little annoyances that she does. And you just got to let love cover it. Don't let it get you. So if you can't, but when you can't get over it, deal with it. When do you need to deal with it? You need to deal with it when you can't get over it, when it's still bugging you, when you're still stuck in it, when you're still dwelling on it, and you also need to deal with it when it, you see that it's a pattern. Oh man, this keeps happening over and over again. Here we are in the same place. We don't want to deal with it sometimes. We'd rather push it under the rug, but we, if we're going to be healthy people, if we're going to be healthy families, if we're going to be a healthy church, we've got to deal with conflict. We've adopted as a church among our leadership uh, some guiding principles for conflict resolution. And I'm, our elders uh, are aware of this, our staff, we sign these, our deacons know about these. So it's kind of a, a guiding contract, if you will, for conflict within our church leadership team. I'm making this available to all of us today. It'll be uh, linked along with the sermon on the CC app, if you have the app, or if you go on our website to today's sermon, there's an attachment there where you can bring up this document, okay? And one of the things that it says in the first paragraph of this document, it says that we believe that conflict provides opportunities to glorify God, serve other people, and grow to be like Christ, as I already said. It is an opportunity as well as a really difficult thing to work with. And one of the main things, as you look through this three-page document or whatever it is, three pages, I guess, uh, one of the main points is our next point, which is go first, take the initiative. In conflict, go first, take the initiative. Now, you saw back in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, he said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Who takes the initiative? Who goes first? The person that was offended. Go and tell the person that has offended you. Go and talk to them about it. Take the initiative. But if you also look at Matthew chapter 5, and I'll flip there quickly. This isn't on the screen. Forgive me. But Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, I believe it is. Jesus says this, the Sermon on the Mount. You might remember this. Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember, that your brother has something against you. What do you do? Verse 24, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What is Jesus saying? You're going to the temple on Jesus' day. You're going to make your sacrifice. You're going to offer your, your gift at the altar. And you remember somebody has something against you. In this situation, who is to take the initiative? You again. Someone has something against you, but here, and Jesus says, now, if, if you know that you've done something to hurt someone, go and make it good with them. So you see the principle, right? Whether it's Matthew chapter 18 or Matthew chapter 5, whether you're the offender or the offended, Jesus tells in both situations, go and make it right. Go first, take the initiative, and this is exactly what God has done for us in Christ, is it not? We were running from God, and Jesus came and sought us out to reconcile us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were running away from God, 
Christ died for us. He took the initiative. He came first to bring reconciliation to us. Love moves first. Love doesn't take turns. Love goes first. Romans 2.4 says this, the kindness of God leads us to repentance because God in his kindness, in his mercy has come to us. We therefore repent. So who should go first when conflict happens? You. Whether you're the offended or whether you're the offender, go and make it right. Point number uh, three, talk to the person, not about the person. Talk to the person, not about the person. You've probably heard this before, but this is where it really goes bad. Is when you're in a community group and, and, and you start to think, you know what? I think so-and-so's marriage is really kind of struggling right now. And so instead of going and offering counsel and prayer to that couple that you think needs some help, you talk with it, you consult somebody else in the group. And what happens then? This, this gossip train begins. And the admonition of Scripture is to go to the person that you're worried about, to go to the person that needs help, to go to the person that has offended you, not to talk about the person behind their back, but go and talk to the person face-to-face. This is so important. This is so critical. Are there times that it might be helpful to, hey, I, I need to talk to someone objective, someone outside of this situation, someone who's not in my department, someone who's not my brother or sister in this family dynamic that's gotten ugly. Maybe I need to talk to a counselor or maybe I need to go to a pastor or elder and get some advice about how to deal with this thing in my family. Yeah, that's good. That's legit. But if you start talking to people that are in the circle, in the scenario of the problem, it quickly can become gossip. And let me just take you, as I was reminded this week, to the strong words of Romans chapter 1. This also is not on the screen, but Romans chapter 1. You probably uh, have heard of it. It's a, it's a pretty tough chapter. And as Paul writes it, just about how uh, depraved and how lost and how sinful we are as a people, he gets into verse 28 and following, and he says this, Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. Verse 29, look at how he's going to describe sin. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. Did you catch that? Did you catch how destructive and sinful gossip is? He puts it right in the very same verse as evil, murder, deceit, maliciousness, gossip. Oh, and by the way, kids, uh, if you're listening, you might go on and read verse 30 where it talks about being disobedient to your parents. Okay, but that's another sermon. It's a big deal. And what happens for most of us, and I'm right here with you, we hate conflict, we don't want to deal with it, so we just stuff it and we don't deal with it until we finally have to. There's an escalation of conflict and it goes something like this. 
what you should do is start in conflict at the issue level, okay? Hey, you really spoke harshly to me. That really hurt my feelings. That's the issue, okay? But what we tend to do is kind of, you know, have a bunch of issues come up, and we don't deal with the issue. So then when we finally talk about it, we're at the character stage. And instead of, hey, it's, you know, I really, you really hurt my feelings the way you said that, it's, hey, you're a really rude and disrespectful person. It's a character assessment. So the best way to deal with, with conflict is not when it gets to character labels, but right when it gets to the issue label, right? Brad, you forgot to take out the trash again, you know? Instead of, hey, you're a lazy slob, you know? But deal with the issue and then, okay, what happens is if we, don't, if we haven't dealt with it at the character level, what often happens is, you know what? I've been unhappy in this marriage for 10 years and I want out. And someone is left holding the bag like, I didn't even know we had issues. And all of a sudden now we want, you want a divorce? So the healthy way to deal with conflict is issue first, issue, issue, issue. And then as issues escalate, then we can begin to talk about, hey, I, th- I think we have a blind spot here. I think we have a character issue before we bail out on the relationship, right? Issue, character, relationship, deal with it at the issue level. Fourth, pe- fourth piece of advice, dealing with conflict in a healthy way. Own your stuff. Remember how I said there, there's two sides of the street, right? And I have never uh, heard about or been involved in a conflict when it's all 100% on one person. We've all got stuff that we can own, even if it's, hey, man, I, I realize that I didn't come to you early enough about this. Or, hey, I realize that my words came out harsh. You know, I, I realize that I'm a forgetful person, and you've told me this before, I really apologize. But conflict, conflict is an opportunity. It's a crucible for, for which we can be humble and be humbled by the way that we tend to mishandle and misrelate. We got to own our stuff. And th- in fact, I would challenge us all as you just think about personal growth and you think about growth in Christ and your own progress and becoming more like Jesus to just kind of be able to know off the top of your head, hey, these are the issues that I have as a human being. And they keep coming up. They keep coming up at home. They keep coming up at work. They come up in my marriage. And these are just kind of the, these are the three things that just kind of haunt me. They're, they're, they're things that, I, that just keep creeping up and become my own worst enemy. We all ought to just kind of know what those three things are. Hey, you know what? I, I tend to want to control things. You know, I'm, I'm, I really sometimes tend to operate out of fear. I can be highly critical. What are your three things? And if you don't know, maybe you need to ask someone. Maybe you need to ask your spouse. Maybe you need to ask that friend or that coworker. hey, man, I, I want to grow. I want to be humbled in conflict. I want to know my stuff. I want to own my stuff. What are my top three things? What are the things that keep kind of rearing their head in my life that throw me off. 
because so I've, I've had these glasses for a couple months, right, because I, I can no longer see in my reading glasses. But here's, here's the diagnosis that I know in myself and I know in most of us. Most of us are farsighted, right? We can see far. We can see out there, but we're not as good nearsighted. We're not as good knowing our own stuff as we are knowing your stuff, right? Oh, I can see your sin right up close. It's clear as a bell, but my own tends to be a little foggy. Because I'm blinded, because I'm farsighted and not nearsighted, I can't see my own stuff. Do we want to grow? If we want to grow and if we want to grow more intimate in our friendships and our relationships, we have to break down the pride enough, have the humility to say, I got some junk. And sometimes I got some junk that keeps recurring that I really need some help working through. So even if you're the offended party and not the offender, you can walk into a conflict knowing somehow I've contributed in some way, whether, my, whether it's my aggressiveness, my passivity, my tone, or maybe it was the word choice that I used, but I, somehow I've contributed and I need to know that. I need to be able to work through that. Here's the good news, okay? Here's the good news. As Christians, we can have a confidence in conflict that the world doesn't have. This is point number three. We can have a confidence in conflict that the world doesn't have. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, brings to us a humility and a security by which we can move confidently into conflict. What does that mean? What what, what does that look like? Well, our helps are God's grace and the cross. As you look at the cross, okay, as as we see the cross, we are both humbled because of our weakness, because of our sin. The cross has outed us. None of us is, is above reproach when it comes to personal relationships. We, we all have sin, sin that is so bad externally and internally, action and attitude, that the cross has outed us. You're worse than you think you are, okay? That's the bad news. But the good news is you're more loved than you realize, Because the cross not only outs us, the cross secures us in God's love. And as Tim Keller has said, if you have the smile of God, you don't have to worry about the frown of anyone else. Because the cross says he not only knows your sin and paid for your sin, but he loves you so much he secured your salvation through his very blood. The God of the world knows that you can make a mess of your life, and that's why Jesus came to pay the penalty. That should be a source of humility in conflict. But the cross and God's grace can also be a source of security in conflict because I know I'm not living for the approval of anyone else. I have the, the approval of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and therefore I can be secured. If I offend someone through uh, rebuking them or bringing uh, some sin to their their knowledge, I don't have to worry about their approval because I've got the approval of God. 
And if someone comes to me and they bring a sin or a weakness to my attention, I don't have to be devastated by that because I know I've already been outed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm worse than you think I am. The cross tells me so. And so because of God's grace, we can have a humility and a security. Because of God's grace, we can say difficult things And because of God's grace, we can hear difficult things. And as we can kind of massage that good news into our bones, massage that good news into our heart to know that we are desperately, desperately broken, but incredibly, abundantly, amazingly loved, we can then move with confidence into conflict. Because our approval is not in man, our approval comes only through Jesus Christ, who loved us so much, he shed his blood to pay for that sin. So where do you need to reconcile? Where do you need to move inward instead of moving away? Man, the theme of the scriptures is this idea that Jesus has come to reconcile man with God and to reconcile man with man. What started as division in Genesis 3 and continues through the the course of human history will one day be reconciled in the new heavens and new earth where there'll be no division, where there'll be no sin, when there'll be no political parties. There'll be no marital difficulty. There'll be no church splits. But in the meantime, Jesus has given us, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this ministry of reconciliation. So my challenge to all of us this morning, um, where might you need to take a step? And I want to just give you a moment to think about that. I'm going to pray as the band comes up and we sing this next song. We just want to give you a a moment to reflect on that because as we come to the Lord's table in a few minutes, the Apostle Paul is very clear that as we come to the table, we need to come with a clean conscience. As Jesus said, if you're going to offer a gift and you realize that your brother has something against you, go first and be reconciled to your brother or sister. So some of you may need to even do some business this morning. Maybe you need to walk across the room and tap someone on the shoulder and have a conversation or go back and and pray with someone. But I just want to challenge us. Where are there some relational cracks? Where is there some reconciliation that needs to take place? How can you take these steps and move forward in healthy conflict rather than unhealthy conflict, because you you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. You might as well deal with it in a healthy way. So close your eyes with me. As we go before the Lord, please go before the Lord in your own heart and say, Spirit, search me. Where have I hurt others? Where am I nursing a wound? Where am I harboring bitterness unforgiveness. Spirit, where do I need to take a step 
out in faith, trusting you for the outcome. Father God, we praise you this morning that we are not, those of us who have have taken Jesus as our Savior, we are not aliens to you. We are not your enemies anymore. But because you have sought us out in Jesus, because you have come running after us, because you have lavished your grace and kindness upon us, we are no longer enemies, we are no longer orphans, but we are your sons and daughters. Father, may the approval, may the security that we have in Jesus give us, hum- give us humility and give us a security as we love one another and as we repair brokenness in our lives and brokenness in this world. Holy Spirit, make this church family a beacon of unity within diversity. Forgive us for our brokenness. Forgive us for our disunity. Help us to move forward in health. Holy Spirit, empower us and show us how to do that. It's for the honor and glory of Jesus we pray.